As an unlicensed doctor, we suggest a prescription for one of our shows. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Fake Doctor's Orders. Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. It is the Sportsnet Hot Stove here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's Rob Long, Mark Boffo, Dan Marino with you on this Saturday morning. Vic Gladding is our technical director. Man, this song, just bringing back all the feels. <laughs> because last night, if you watch the Leafs and Ducks, if you're a Leafs fan, you were probably better off watching the OC. Season number one, one of the greatest seasons of television in my lifetime. Haven't watched it in years. Bafo, you were smiling as soon as I was talking about it. Like, do you still watch the OC? You know what? I never watched the OC, and uh, I actually, like, despised it back in the day because <laughs> it just seemed like the thing that everybody was talking about, and I was like, this show looks like hot garbage, and now I'm just like, you know what? Like, I like cheesy TV. I watch Jersey Shore. I'm yeah. kind of, like, baffled that I never watched it back in the day, but what a theme song. Yeah, definitely one of the best theme songs ever. It's an iconic teen television show for uh, people that haven't watched it. Maybe uh, you're a bit older now and you don't really care for it, but uh, back when I was a teenager, Dan, like, that was, like, the hottest television on planet Earth. Everyone was talking about it, and that was back in the days when you didn't have... You know, PVR or DVR, right? So you had to watch it as it happened. Like, maybe you would see a rerun occasionally, but, like, you tuned in every week to make sure you were on the couch at that specific time. And if you missed it, you missed it. Like, you had to hope that somebody could tell you about it or you had to, you know, find a way to, you know, see it again. But if you missed it, you missed it. The episodic television back then, there was no other choice but to be there on time to watch that program. Yeah, see, I, I actually don't remember when it was, like, on the air weekly, but I do remember my brother buying the DVD uh, cases of the seasons yeah. and binge watching it that way. Uh, I watched the first season with, it, it's not really my kind of show, I guess, um, but both my brothers watch every episode of it. So I guess it has a target audience for sure. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, it got <laughs> a little bit stale after the first uh, couple of seasons, but uh, the first season of the OC, just absolutely incredible. Uh, maybe the Maple Leafs uh, should be watching something to lift their spirits up right now because they are struggling. Uh, rough West Coast road trip for your Toronto Maple Leafs as they fell to the Anaheim Ducks last night. Two to one, and I think we kind of look at this Leafs team right now and understand that it's difficult to, you know, take a ton away from individual games. But as I think we know about this team as well, they are incredibly frustrating. And after coming off three straight wins last week where it looked like they really turn the ship around and we're ready to go on a nice little run here, especially going into a West Coast trip against some teams that have not been particularly good this year for them to come out and score only three goals in regulation and uh, lose all three of those games. I mean, getting just one point is uh, just 
So Leafs, right? Like, I think that's what everybody's thinking this morning, that every time we try to buy back into this team, they find a way to kick us in the groin, football to the groin. And uh, here we are once again, where um, everyone's wondering, like, what is going to happen with this team? They still have a five-point advantage on the Florida Panthers. Uh, Florida does have a pair of games in hand right now, Mark, but sort of the same things keep cropping up, that if it's not one thing, it's another thing. And this trip, it wasn't necessarily the defense. The goaltending was great. They couldn't score a goal. So, you know, they haven't been able to put it all together um, consistently for quite some time right now um well what are you seeing uh, when you watch this team at the moment you know they pulled a little a little switch up on us because last week it was it was kind of like one one bad game one good game and then they knocked off three in a row and you were like oh maybe maybe the tides have turned here a little bit but then they go ahead and lose three in a row so on a on a california trip which i know the guy's aren't doing that well over in SoCal right now with uh, the Kings and the Ducks. But, like, come on. It's always a tough trip, but you need to get at least one win. Like, come on, guys. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It just seems like the goaltending's an issue, and then the goaltending's not an issue, and now the scoring seems to be an issue. Like, I don't know. I'm. I think if there's one takeaway from these games, it's that you can be encouraged that they – you know, allowed two goals in over 120 minutes against two teams. But, like, your power play is, like, three for 30 or something right now. And it's, I believe they said on the broadcast yesterday, and it's just, I have no idea what's going on. And I think it's easy to say not to, it's easy to just be like, oh, you know, we're too good of a team, we're going to score, but you can't just get blanked by two of the worst teams in the league. Like I know it's a tough trip and you know, it's back to backs, but like you need to be, you need to be losing that Kings game and just coming out as like, with like, you need to play like this last game, this next game is your last against the ducks. And again, you just see them give up a bad goal off the top and they're just chasing the game right off the bat. Well, the most frustrating thing is that, if they played how they did in the third period the entire game, they're most likely winning that game. You know what I mean? Like, it's you you see that they have the capability of dominating that game, and they just don't do it for two periods. If you don't play at your best for two periods, you're not going to win most hockey games. Even though the, the game-winning goal came in the third period when they were kind of running the Ducks, um, that's what happens when you're not playing your best all game is at some point it's going to go the other way and they're going to score a cheesy goal. It's... I think you touched on a lot how, you know, one week the problem is goaltending. Then it's that they're not scoring. And I think that's the most frustrating thing is that every time they figure something out, another problem happens. And at the beginning of the season, I think with the way Dubas has constructed this team is you can kind of convince yourself as long as the big four are producing their deficiencies on the back end or if Freddie's not having a good game, it'll make up for it. There's been times this year where the big four are playing well and they're still losing. And then there's been times where, like this week, where Freddie is playing really well and is playing well enough, or sorry, Jack Campbell and Freddie are playing well enough to steal you games, and they lose all three. Like, you had to get minimum two points out of this road trip. Minimum. That's not even expecting a lot because these are three of the worst teams in the NHL. Like, I know playing on the West Coast is never easy. Um, and, I, you know, I think you go into the Sharks game and it's like there's all that travel and they're getting used to the time difference and stuff like that. So they lose that one. Okay. Then you go into the Kings game. You had two days off, right? That's the game where you have to win. And when your starting goalie doesn't let in a goal the entire game, going into shootout, and you don't win that game, it's unacceptable. We're past the point with this team 
where we can say, oh, well, you know, they played really well. They just bumped into a really good goaltender and Jonathan Quick and they couldn't get past it. Oh, you know, they, they fell asleep at the wheel for two periods on the second half of a back-to-back um, on a West Coast road trip against the Ducks. No, like, there's no more excuses for this team. They've put themselves in this hole and they need to start winning games like that. Yeah, ultimately, that's really what it comes down to at, at this point of the season where, you know, the Maple Leafs, you would love the, the process to be great and you would love for it to, you know, look pretty and everything. But if they're not winning the games and getting two points out of it or minimum one point out of it, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, the process can be as great as it is. But if you're not getting the results, that that's not um, what they're looking for at this moment. That, that's what we saw um, at times, you know, over the last couple of weeks where maybe they weren't playing very good, uh, but they still were able to get the results and, and you're happy to get it done. But uh, these three games, you know, each of them had their own issues. You know, scoring clearly was number one that they weren't able to beat. Let's be honest, some of the uh, worst goaltenders in the NHL in a guy like Martin Jones, who's had a sub 900 save percentage for the last two seasons. Jonathan Quick, definitely not the same guy he used to be, although he did find the fountain of youth uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs and had one of his better games of the season. And uh, John Gibson, who historically has been one of the better netminders in the NHL, of course, having a down year, but he was really strong in goal last night. And then Ryan Miller, 39-year-old Ryan Miller coming off the bench <laughs> and you know getting beat by William Nylander, but then just making some outrageous saves at at the end of that game to, to keep it a 2-1 win for the Anaheim Ducks. So the goalies, the opposing goalies, definitely played well on the uh, opposite side of things against the Maple Leafs. But uh, with the type of talent that the Maple Leafs had, have, as you mentioned, Bafo with that pof, uh, power play going three for 30, um, it's just inexcusable. Like this is supposed to be one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL and for them to not score more than three regulation goals against these teams, no matter how difficult the, the circumstances is, is pretty disheartening. And, you know, don't want to build in the excuse, but yeah, like it's three games in four nights, right? It's a West Coast trip. There's a lot of things that go into it. Like, I know it's easy to say, like, just watching on the TV, skate harder or like try harder. Well, your body has physical limitations, so I can understand it from that um, standpoint. But it's still, if your uh, goal is to make the playoffs and, and you want to get in, you're going to have to pick up some points somehow and, and find another gear. And I think that's what's frustrating a lot of people right now watching this team, that they just haven't been able to consistently find that gear uh, more often than not. And, you know, we saw it on Twitter last night. We've been seeing it, you know, a lot on Twitter, on social media this year when it comes to this Maple Leafs team that they don't have the heart and they don't care and things of that nature. Like, I'm not willing to go that far. I mean, we don't know any of these people specifically, personally, if, like, they are just not interested in giving a damn on a night-to-night -night basis. I know we try to watch the game and be like, oh, he's not skating, so he must not care. We've all played sports. As soon as you step in between the lines, you care, right? Like, even if we're playing house league, professional, doesn't matter. You get out there and you want to win. Like, we play sports. We're competitive people. So I don't think that's the issue, Mark. It just seems like, as a unit, um, they're, they're really struggling to pull on the same rope, if you will. Like, if one guy's going last night, like William Nylander, Nobody else came with him last night, and we've seen other times where maybe they are going in one area, and then in another area, you know, they're not pulling on the same string. So it, it just gets back to that whole um, consistency, but it also gets back to, you know, everybody needs to be on the same page, and uh, it's just little things that here and there seem to be, you know, killing them on a consistent basis. Well, one word that you said that stuck out to me is limitations, and... To me, that is a huge issue with what's going on right now is I think you have too many guys playing beyond their limitations. Like, for example, a couple of plays stood out to me over the last couple of games. I'm watching OT against the Kings the other night, and it's like Rasmus Sandin, like, welcome to the show. He just <laughs> got zipped past and fell, led to a scoring chance. And something else stood out to me like a couple of weeks ago. It was a game at home 
where it also went to overtime and Pierre Engvall was getting ice in overtime because it was late in overtime and you need to, you know, send out some other bodies there. And he was just, he had, he had fresh legs. He was totally buzzing, going up and down the ice. And then he kind of got into the offensive zone and he had to beat like the last guy. And that's where he lost the puck. Cause it's like, that's not his game. He's not a finesse player. And yesterday you see, you see Justin Hall, like the Leafs were, buzzing like one nothing Anaheim they were all over them I could Tavares uh Nylander and Tavares were getting opportunities in tight and Anaheim had been out for a while the Leafs had fresh legs and then Justin Hall just you know because no fault of his own probably because he's playing like four or five minutes more per game than he should be he just gives away the puck and it leads to a turnover and it like a minute later, they'd make it 2 nothing, And we saw what the final score was, 2-1. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I feel like these guys could weather the storm temporarily, but it's getting to the point now where you're missing like an Ilya Mikheyev to balance your forward group. You're missing Morgan Riley, especially on the back end, who's going to eat up those minutes. And the guys mean well, but... When the season opened, you had Justin Hall and guys like that penciled in on your bottom pairing. And now I just feel like it's been, you know, a couple of weeks to a month or whatever where people have been walking wounded on this team. And now you're kind of just starting to see that you need a shot in the arm. You need some of these guys to get back because you're not just you can't just continue to tread water because, like you said, Panthers have a couple of games on them. Yeah, I, I think that's the fear I had coming into the season is, again, they do misconstruct this team thinking that they could sacrifice some depth if they had enough stars. Um, and now they're seeing the flip side of that, which is guys like Jake Muzzin and Morgan Riley being out. Like, those are their top two defensemen. So now they're relying on that depth. And they're relying on, and again, this is another thing I feared coming into the season, is that they were going to start relying on guys like Rasmus Sandin to come up when they probably weren't ready and depend on them not just to be like a third-line defenseman, but actually make a difference night in and night out. And that's not fair for guys like Sandin, Lilligren, and like you said, Engvall. Like, those guys aren't supposed to be carrying this much of a load. But that's what happens when you put so much of your season into, like, four, five, six guys, and injuries start happening. Like, I, I think that's the thing that worries me the most going into the playoffs as well. They clearly have the talent. I mean, last week, they go on this run where they beat Tampa and uh, Vancouver, and who was the team in them? Oh, Florida, the team that's trailing them. You know, they beat all three of them in the same week. Um, so we know they have the talent to go on a run, and if they can just survive to the playoffs, who knows what's going to happen. But I don't feel like I can trust them to do that because they're the most inconsistent team in the in the NHL right now. Yeah, it's been uh, difficult from that standpoint for sure. And, and you know, Sheldon Keefe mentioned it last night post game that uh, his team is showing real signs of fatigue, in particular on the defense. They've uh, asked a lot from guys and they're playing a lot of minutes in the wrong slots. It seems to be catching up a little bit to our group. So luckily the schedule is letting up a bit now. And last night was the final back-to-back of the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that is uh, good from that standpoint. You know, Cody Ceci made his uh, return last night. So that helps. It looks like Morgan Riley's going to be back at some point not in the uh, not-too-distant future. So that uh, will be a big boost uh, for this team because it's pretty evident. You know, Justin Hall, I still think he's going to be a fine player. 
Um, but I think, you know, the larger sample size that we've seen of late that, you know, he's a guy that probably should not be in your top pairing no. uh, in a best case scenario. And I don't think the Maple Leafs want him to be there necessarily right now, but out of necessity, um, they're kind of stuck there. And if he's going to play there, it'd be nice to have a guy like Jake Muzzin alongside with him and nothing against Travis Dermott, who has definitely, you know, filled in admirably, I would say since Jake Muzzin, uh, went down, um, you know, that's, that's not his spot either. So, um, these guys are playing a lot of minutes and, and as Sheldon Keefe mentioned, like it does seem to be taking a toll on a lot of these guys on the D uh, on the D pairings just because of the amount of minutes that they've been playing so far uh, of late, especially with all these injuries that they uh, are dealing with. But it's a situation right now where uh, this Maple Leafs team, I feel at times, is still trying to figure out their identity. Um, like, let's be honest, it's been three, four months now under Sheldon Keefe, but that's still only three, four months, right? It's not a finished product. Uh, they've been banged up. They've had to put in a lot of guys to, to step in, as you mentioned, Dan. Like, there's still a lot of adjustments there that need to be made. Uh, not, It's almost like they need to be rewired, right? Taken out of the Mike Babcock system and try to figure out, you know, how Sheldon Keefe wants to play and, and you know, all that. Um, so there hasn't been a ton of time, I think, for like practicing and stuff to try to really, um, you know, nail that down. Um, but, you know, you look overall, the record's still really good under Sheldon Keefe. So they've had success, as you mentioned. They've had flashes. They've shown it that third period last night, um, that uh, third period against San Jose the other night, like against the LA Kings outside of that first period. You know, they pretty much dominated the final 40 minutes. So um, it's not as if they're just getting um, annihilated in all of these games that they're playing there. They're showing that they can play good hockey. It just has not been for a full um, 60 minutes. But sometimes you don't need to play a full 60 minutes. Sometimes yeah. you can get away playing a good 20 playing a good 40, um, and that seems to be the issue that they are facing right now. When we continue on the Sportsnet Hot Stove, we'll chat about Mitch Marner, who uh, once again had some very interesting comments to say after last night's game and his struggles to seemingly continue. That's next on the Sportsnet Hot Stove. Rob Wong, Dan Marino, Mark Boffo on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Subscribe to the Good Show Podcast with your favorite podcatcher, Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. Dan Marino, Mark Boffo with you here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You can text us, 59590. Just give us your name and your location. Talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, who, if you didn't stay up and watch that game last night, lucky you. It was not good. Maple Leafs losing to the Anaheim Ducks 2-1 to as they go 0-2-1 on that three-game Western road trip, losing to the Sharks and Ducks in regulation and losing to the Kings in a shootout, the offense has gone dry over these last three games. And uh, one person that has definitely felt the wrath of Leafs Nation seemingly on social media, from what I've been able to gather anyways, is one Mitch Marner, who, you know, I was just thinking about it a second ago. This is the second straight year now where uh, a player has, you know, obviously 
gone into a season with uh, high expectations with some new money. Last year it was William Nylander. This year it's Mitch Marner and has not been able to live up to that standard that a lot of people uh, expected. Uh, do not want to talk about ever again the Mitch Marner contract situation, so we won't um, do that. The guy's got his money. The guy's been paid. And when you look at the raw points numbers, he's got 65 in 58 games on pace for 80 this year, which uh, we understand he missed some time, of course, with that um, high ankle sprain. And the, the fact that he even you know came back so early from it is impressive. But I'm not going to be able to replicate the numbers that he had a season ago where he had a career year. And, you know, last night, Marner took a bad penalty, uh, was struggling to, you know, get anything done offensively. And this is what he had to uh, say, did Mitch Marner in the uh, post game of the uh, Anaheim Ducks uh, 2-1 win over the Maple Leafs. You know, we know it's going to come, so... Just don't need to rush or, uh, you know, get pressure on ourselves. We were a team that can score, and, I mean, uh, this road trip, we we showed that we can play in low-scoring games. It's just, you know, our scoring wasn't there, but it'll come. Yeah, it's just stupid on my part there. Um, you know, frustration took over there, but it's the last time that happens. Um, better than that, but, um, I mean, I almost broke my stick banging for that. It's, uh, it's a hell of a save by him. He's been he's been great for us in that net. Um you know, like I said, it sucks that uh, we can't get him the reward that he deserves in these these two games he played. Um, we're not pressured, though. We're, we're going to score. We know that. It's just making sure that we keep those teams to low scoring, and that we did a good job this trip. I don't know. Um, you have to ask them. I mean, as a team, we're trying to stay calm. I know uh, media's a big part in this city that we play in, and I think uh, for our team, it's just about staying off that the social media. Um, people are just going to start and get on us. and. We're a unit in here, we're a team. Um, we know what to say to each other, get ourselves going. You know, this road trip's over with now. Uh, back home Tuesday and ready to go again. There's Mitch Marner after last night's loss to the Anaheim Ducks. Great advice. Uh, stay off social media. That would be, you know, everyday advice for anyone in uh, any walk of life, but uh, specifically for professional athletes and, and for Mitch Marner, who's definitely felt the uh, wrath of that over the last uh, year or so with the contract negotiations and everything. And, you know, the, just from watching these games, the, the sense that I get, um, the frustration last night taking that penalty is that you have a guy here who clearly wants to live up to the expectations of a guy you know, that's making 10 plus million dollars. It's just natural, right? You get the, the pay bump and all these expectations you put on yourself that, hey, now I'm a $10 million guy. I need to play like a $10 million player. And sometimes that gets the best of you. Sometimes you're you know, trying too hard to, to be that player. And I think there are moments now as well, since Mitch Marner's been around in this league, the scouting reports out there on the types of things that he does and teams are trying to limit uh, you know, his opportunities and his time and space and, and the things that he's good at. And, and you see a guy that's getting a little frustrated right now that he's not able to do the same things that maybe he was able to do last year or previous years, and he's having trouble trying to um, you know, change his game a little bit to try to get those opportunities. I mean, we still see flashes of it. Heck, that amazing goal of the other night against the San Jose Sharks, like it's still in there. Um, it, it just seems to me, Mark, that uh, here's a guy that's just really frustrated about obviously the team and, and what's going on there right now, but his own personal play yeah and you know i give him a lot of credit for facing the music post game and i think that kind of you know factors in to him you know being one of the most highest paid players on the team now be being a leader on the team wanting to take that accountability and so he's saying all the right things post game uh takes responsibility for for the penalty and saying that that can't happen but I would just like to, but when you're facing the music post game, it's kind of like you're just doing the bare minimum to me. Like, if you want to be a leader on this team, it shouldn't take you the third of three games on a road trip after you've looked bad in the first two or 
you know, maybe you've looked okay defensively, but you've been shut out in the second game. Like, I would just rather see more composure during the actual game and just not take that penalty to begin with. I mean, if the first two games of this trip didn't tell you anything that you got to be more composed and show up for 60 minutes, I... I don't know what to I don't know what to tell you like the proofs right there and it's nice for him to say you know we have to be even keel and not read into social media too much and we're a team and we believe in ourselves in the room and this trip's over and I think the way he said he's like this road trip's over now and we're back home and ready to go on Tuesday and it's like okay but are you going to be ready to go like we just talked about how inconsistent this team's been and we're now in a critical juncture of the year and of the season, I should say. And it seems like it still hasn't been figured out. So I guess that's a long way of saying that talk is cheap. And while I appreciate that you're taking on the responsibility, it's like the playoffs start in a month. And these are quotes that you should be hearing when you were scuffling earlier in the season, not not March 7th, like to take one out of a possible six points against three of the worst teams in the league. Like, I understand it's a tough trip, but like, let's be honest, they flew into San Jose and then had had the game at a couple of days off before the Kings game. And then you're playing in Anaheim the next night. Like, it's the equivalent of going from like downtown to Vaughn to play to play a game like you're not traveling at all. So it's a tough trip. I get it. But like, I don't want to hear it. Show me. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think that actually goes back to what uh, Gord Selleck was saying on Leafs Nation after the, I think it was the Hurricanes loss, which I don't know if you guys remember what happened in that game, but it was bad. <laughs> um, is that, like, it's, it's fine that they're saying the right things to the media. Like, you'd rather them that do that than not do that. But it's, we're past that. Like, it's time to, like, show it on the ice. It's, it's fine to keep saying, oh, we have to be composed. We have to score more. We have to protect Freddie more. But, like, now it's time to do it and not just do it once or twice in a week. Like, just do it consistently. This is, like, this is Matthew's fourth year in the league. This is supposed to be when this team is ready to contend for a cup. We shouldn't be talking about whether they can stave off the the, the struggling Panthers and hold on for a playoff spot and potentially make it past the first round. We should be talking about, does this team have what it takes to go to the cup this year? Do they have what it takes to win the cup this year? And we're not because they haven't played consistently, which is what you have to do to win a cup. And I think that's, you know, one of the the big questions about this team and what makes it so frustrating. And as you mentioned, the sort of the build up to it, that this is a team now that's made the playoffs three years in a row with all these guys beginning in their rookie seasons. And, you know, they have all these first round playoff exits. They should have, you know, they should have faced all that adversity already. Like they've done, they've been battle tested to a certain extent that they've been in these first round playoffs And the thing that I just keep getting back to is that's not how it always works, right? Like people always talk about, oh, you got to lose a round and then you move on to round two. Then you lose round two and then you move on to round number three. Sometimes you got to get your ass kicked for five straight years before you can figure it out. Like there's no blueprint. And we like to look at the Penguins. You look at the Blackhawks. I mean, it took Alex Ovechkin 10 plus years to to win a Stanley Cup, right? Like it, it doesn't always happen the way that we think it should. And I'm not trying to, you know, make excuses for these guys, but sometimes that's just how it works, right? Like it takes some people a lot longer to, you know, finally find that gear and, and figure out what it actually takes. And, and the only way you can figure that out is by getting your butt kicked and facing 
adversity and, and losing. Like, you know, on an individual player basis, we see it all the time. Like Jack Campbell has been playing amazing for the Maple Leafs. Guess what? This guy used to be a first-round pick, and it looked like he was going to be an NHL bust forever, and he finally figured it out within the last, you know, two, three seasons. That's on an individual level. So you, when you think about, uh, you know, many individuals on one team – uh, sometimes it's going to take a lot longer and, and you wish that wasn't the case because you look at this team and you've got guys like John Tavares, you've got guys like Mazin and Anderson and Spezza and the list goes on and on and on of, you know, guys that have been around for, you know, more than four seasons, like some of these young kids. So, you know, that's, I think, you know, part of the frustration is that, Hey, you've brought in these leadership type guys and previously, you know, the Patrick Marlowe's of the world. And, you know, how come those guys haven't been able to instill it on these guys that that's a question that I think a lot of people have right now. And I'm not sure we have a, you know, a concrete answer as to why it's not clicking for sure. And, and I think the other thing is that a lot of, I've had this argument a lot over the past, like two months. And a lot of people bring up, like you said, Washington had to hit a wall like 10 years straight and they kept losing to the Penguins every year in the playoffs, first or second round, uh, before they f finally broke through. And the argument some people make to me is like, if that's what the Leafs need to do, like, that's what needs to happen. And that's fine. But like, for those 10 years, like, were Capitals fans fine with losing every year to the Penguins just because they thought maybe one year they'll break through? Like, that's just not how it works. It's okay to be like, I expect this team to be better than what they are. I'm a, I'm upset that they're not, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, I know for sure. And, and I think, you know, part of it right now, if you take a step back, like when we look at this roster, they have, you know, their core four, the forwards mostly intact for, for the most part. But, you know, Mark, you look at that blue line, right? Like they, there's how many of those guys that actually should be regulars um, on this team or playing with this team right now. Like there are still some issues with this squad as it, as it's fully constructed. Um, I know we look at other teams, heck, you look at the team that they played last night and uh, a lot of guys that should not be playing in the NHL either from a d defensive standpoint. But, um, you know, this is a team that uh, is missing a lot of key guys. We touched on them. Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, like those guys are big pieces of this team. You know, Ellie McKayev hasn't been here for very long. But it'd be pretty good if they had that guy right now. He could fill a role on this team and, and definitely help with, you know, some of the scoring issues that they've had of late. So it's, you know, one of those things where, you know, it's pretty polarizing, like for the people that uh, say, like, you know, this team isn't complete because they're missing a bunch of guys. And then you have people saying, well, it shouldn't matter because they have a lot of star talent in this team that should be enough to carry, you know, this team to victories over teams like the Anaheim Ducks and the LA Kings. Like that's, that's not a big enough excuse. Well, you just brought up the Ducks defense core that they iced last night, and that makes me even more upset because it's like you couldn't score on these no-names. Like, I didn't see a single name that I recognized there, but I want to go back to what you were saying before, just how, like, you need to lose and get your butt kicked a little bit to kind of see what you need, like, what you need to do to get to that next level. And while I agree with that, it's kind of like, and I know we didn't want to delve into the contract status. Like, you're right, it's it's water under the bridge. They got the deals that they got. But it's like, you your argument was, I'm I'm ready to be paid as, as one of the top players in the NHL. Like, when you're sitting down at the negotiation table, you're not saying, I'm, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a young forward with only, you know, just coming off my entry level. Like, you're saying, I was the straw that stirred the drink here, and we all deserve big money. So... It's one of those things where, yeah, they need to go through it, but you're also saying like we're this good right now. So that's why the that's why the the talk post game kind of bugs me a bit. It's just kind of like we know that you guys aren't dogging it. Like we know, like you said, once you're in, in between the lines, you wanna you wanna win. That's just you're all competitive athletes, and that's just naturally what happens. But like 
I just don't see the the buy-in on every nights like on every night like there's just lapses in their play that are that are costing them now. Yeah, and I, I even when I was talking about the whole comparison to the Capitals and how they kept hitting a wall over and over again, the one point that Vic actually made in my ear just now is that. Washington was also dominating the regular season, right? Like the Leafs still haven't won their division as they're currently constructed, right? So like, again, it's fine to say the right things to the media. You're supposed to say the right thing. You're not supposed to say the wrong things to the media, right? So it's fine to do that. But at a certain point, expectations are everything. Three years ago, we didn't expect the Leafs to make the playoffs. They did. And it was like, okay, they're overachieving. The next year, they bump into the Bruins again. They lose in seven games. Still... We weren't expecting a cup or anything like that, so it's fine. Then last year, I felt like they started to underachieve because once you bring in a guy like John Tavares, and and I said this to um, George actually like last month, once you bring in a guy like John Tavares, expectations are going to shift forward quite a bit because he is like an elite NHL yeah, player. He's supposed to be a finishing piece. Exactly yeah. right. So now you've 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 escalated things, and to come into the season and not be consistently good and not like like we said before. One week, it's that they're not scoring, which should never be the excuse with this team. Um, the, the struggling on the power play is baffling to me. And then, you know, the next week, it's the goaltending. The next week, it's the defense, which we were told we, we, we shouldn't worry about because the offense is so good that they'll, you know, they'll dominate the time of possession and, and it won't matter as much. At a certain point, like, these guys aren't living up to expectations. And that's, as a, if you're a Leafs fan, you have you absolutely have the right to be frustrated this season. And and what was uh, what was Ovechkin's deal, too? Like, you had a lot of grace period to get it right in Washington. Like, he signed one of those, like, caps or convention contracts back in the day where he signed for, what was it, like, I, over 10 years or something, right? So those contracts are now obsolete in the NHL. You need to be better quicker, and the Leafs just don't have that luxury with these guys on, like, five- or six-year deals. And... I, I said somebody was talking to me like upset that they didn't make too many moves at the deadline. I said, well, they've been kind of inconsistent. Maybe they just didn't trust this team. And they said to me, well, you know, if you're, if that's the stance you're going to take, you're, you're throwing away one year of your window with, with the core that you have. Cause all these guys are paid to win now. And I was like, it's tough to argue against that too. Like, that's a really good point as well. Like you are built to win now. Uh, and that's what the narrative was going into the season. And it wasn't just, fans or pundits it was the team the team thought that they were in a great position to win too so we'll see what the we'll see what the stretch we'll see, we'll see what the next few games has in store here but i don't know i mean every time it seems like they're turning the corner they're they're taking a step back yeah it is interesting that uh you know you mentioned the the, the contracts and you know five six years for for a lot of these guys and beyond that who knows if they're going to want to resign if they're going uh elsewhere at that point and while it does seem like a long ways away it's it's goes by pretty quickly as we know um time does fly and you know it just made me think of it now you know let's say the the maple leafs get one cup out of that stretch and the rest of the years they're terrible like does anybody care like i understand what you're saying like it's a wasted year and all of that stuff this year potentially and maybe it's a wasted year next year maybe it's a wasted year after that 
Well, then in year four or five or six of those deals, they win one. Is everybody saying, oh, geez, remember that year where the Maple Leafs were losing to the Anaheim Ducks and LA Kings? Like, that's all it takes, right? It just takes one year where it all clicks. And I think that's what's you know difficult to see right now, that we don't see like an, a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, yeah. when is this actually going to become it? So I think that's why we're all really frustrated watching this team because we can't see that consistency. We can't be like, okay, that is like why I feel like eventually these guys are going to figure it out. They just have not been able to give us a reason to feel that way because of the inconsistent play. So um, that that's what's uh, very discouraging about watching the Maple Leafs and how they go about it. And then I always think, man, you think it's tough for people here in the media, fans? Imagine what it's like for Kyle Dubas. Like the guy, yeah. you know, tweeted out the Chinese farmer proverb uh, video recently, and he's been, you know, uh, hitching his wagon to that for for a long, long time. But uh, you know, as he's talked about, I think his uh, patience sometimes runs a little bit thin. It's it's difficult for him to be able to manage his emotions when things are going like this because this is his baby. This is the thing that he constructed. He has a vision of how things want to go, and uh, right now that vision is just uh, not working out for him. But uh, we shall see. It seems like every time we uh, start to count out this Maple Leafs team, though. They find a way to uh, win some games that they are not expected to do and uh, maybe we'll see that coming up on Tuesday when they uh, return from their West Coast road trip and take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Don't forget you can text us 59590 just give us your name and your location. We do have a couple of texts we'll get to those later in the program but when we continue on the Sportsnet hot stove the Blue Jays are uh, getting going right now in spring training and the season right around the corner and uh, in a couple of months time which Toronto athlete are we going to be talking about the most? The Blue Jays will be going. The Raptors will be in the playoffs. Maybe the Maple Leafs will be in the playoffs there. Uh, we'll get there when we get there, but we'll talk about that next here on the Sportsnet Hot Stove. Rob Wong, Dan Marino, Mark Boffo. It's the Sportsnet Radio Network. Missed an episode of Lead Off? Listen to every episode and subscribe with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet Hot Stove, Rob Wong, Mark Boffo, and Dan Marino here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Text us 59590. Give us your name and your location. Did want to get to uh, a couple of texts here. Uh, Christine in Toronto. Lack of player depth and the fact that the backup goalie situation wasn't addressed until February could cost us a playoff spot. Who's responsible for that? Also, Matthew's comments about uh, having one foot in, one foot out the door. Says to me there's also a problem in the room. And, you know, that's something that I, I wanted to touch on before as well, that, you know, when things are going poorly, right, we're always trying to search for answers and trying to figure out, you know, why is this happening? And I think, you know, we get into trouble when we start talking about, well, they're losing games and uh, they're not playing that well. It's got to be because someone doesn't like someone in the room. And sometimes that is the case, but none of us are in the room. We don't know those types of things. So I don't want to draw any conclusions that, oh, because they couldn't score a goal last night uh, or, you know, against the LA Kings the other night. It means, it means Tyson Berry and Austin Matthews aren't getting along because they couldn't make a pass or like they don't like Frederick Anderson. They're out there trying not to score for him. Like, I, I think those are dangerous things that uh, we can get into potentially on Sports Talk Radio. Uh, Dave from Coldwater uh, sending a uh, an essay says, uh, per Mr. Marner, we know what to say to get ourselves going. Uh, when are they planning to say it or is it any or is anyone listening? I am listening less and less. 
Uh, we need to stay off social media. These players are not unlike other people of their generation, and their phones are almost a part of their bodies. I think we should be thankful that they aren't texting while they're on the ice. Um, as to their woes, there may no there be uh, there may be no other cure but time. But uh, will time make a difference? Entitled kids says uh, Dave from Coldwater, so he's not uh, feeling too great about uh, the Maple Leafs right now. Dan in Mississauga says, guys, I believe to have success in the playoffs, you need to get us hot to get hot at the right time. Let's hope the Leafs get hot now and continue into the playoffs. It could be all about timing. And Tom from Barry Texans says, really? Uh, he's pointing the finger at me. Rob, you feel sorry for Kyle Dubas? How stupid that comment is. It's his team. Do you feel sorry for Babcock or Burke when they got fired? Dubas gets paid a lot of money. Great job, free travel, uh, free meals, comps every day, plus great company. Oh, poor Kyle. Uh, just because he's getting paid a lot of money and has an awesome job and gets to do a lot of these things doesn't mean I can't feel bad for the guy when things aren't going his way. Like, Tom, do I not get to feel bad for you? Like, if things are not working out for you just because you have a job and you listen to the radio, like, let's have some perspective here. Like, it's sports. I get it. It's entertainment. Um, but because I can't feel bad for the guy because things are going, aren't going well because he's, you know, gets to do all these great things, it's, it's pretty outrageous. I don't think you're stupid, Rob. I appreciate that, Mark. Uh, that's why you're my favorite uh, here on the program. Nothing against wow. you, Dan. I'm just joking. I'm you're, sitting you're right here, here. You like are in between right the two. <laughs> uh, so keep texting us about the uh, Maple Leafs. It's a hot topic right now, 590-590. Give us your name and your location on the uh, text. So the, the Blue Jays in spring training right now in the midst of it. They'll uh, play later this afternoon here on the Sportsnet Radio Network coming up at 1 o'clock. But, you know, a couple months' time, guys, when it's, you know, May and uh, it's going to be nicer weather and we're all going to be much happier, I think, here in this city, usually the case when the, the weather starts to turn, we're going to be having the Blue Jays. We're going to be having the Raptors in the playoffs. Most likely... The Maple Leafs in the playoffs, that's still uh, up in the air at this point. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, things to talk about in this city when it comes to Toronto sports. So my question to you guys is, which athlete from one of the Toronto sports teams do you think we're going to be talking about the most? And we can include uh, Toronto Wolfpack if you want. We can include Toronto FC. We can include maybe uh, some tennis players, Bianca Andreescu, Dennis Shapovalov. Like, let's look at all the Toronto athletes, whether it's from sports teams or individual sports, who do you guys think we'll be talking about the most in uh, two months' time? We'll start with you, Mark. Well, if I think you'll be probably talking about the Leafs, whether good or bad, but I'm going to go individual and say Bo Bichette here because I feel like he really hit the ground running last year. You know, as soon as he got called up, he became an integral part of the Blue Jays team. And... I think if you do see the Leafs scuffle or, you know, it's another early exit this year and the Raptors, while I'm a lot more confident in them, you know, there's maybe just not as much sexiness around the team this year w without Kawhi. And I'm not saying that it's a bad team because I've, you know, been on the station saying how impre impressed I've been with the season and the job that Nick Nurse and the coaching staff's done. But I feel like it's kind of just like a, a been there, done that coming off the championship and I think if Bobichet picks up where he left off, he could be he could be right there as, you know, one of the best players in the American League and I'm really curious to see if uh how his defense takes the next step just with another with more service time under his belt. Yeah, I I'm going to go right off the bat and say it won't be a leaf just because like and usually the Leafs are eliminated by my birthday, which is the end of April. <laughs> so if we're talking 2 months from now, that's May and it might have quieted down by then. Um, I still think the Raptors will be making a run. And uh, as much as, like, there will be a lot of interesting things to talk about with, with the Jays, and, like, I think Boba Shett's a good answer, even Vlad. But for me, 
a playoff run kind of trumps that. And I think we'll be talking about Pascal Siakam because this is a team that's defending their NBA championship, but they've obviously lost Kawhi Leonard. They're going to be a top seed, probably second seed, uh, maybe third if Boston can overtake them. But they're going to the, the expectation is kind of that they make it to the conference finals, and we're going to see how Pascal Siakam deals with being the guy in the playoffs. We've seen how he reacts to being the guy during the regular season. He's been great, and I'm not going to put any blame on him if they do lose because he's really young and, and raw for a guy to be taking over a team that's defending an NBA championship. But I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he reacts to being the guy in the playoffs this coming uh sorry, playoffs. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I, my vote's for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think he's going to have a, a monster start to the season. He's started to pick it up already a little bit here in spring training after getting off to a, a slow start, needed some more ABs. Um, I think the the sky's the limit, as as we all think it is for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at the plate. The defense, probably never going to get there. Uh, ultimately, a first base DH. I think that's where he's destined to be. But uh, the bat is uh, something that I think we're, we're going to start seeing on a more consistent basis this year. Last year, there were some hot stretches, some incredible runs, but we weren't able to see it uh, in you know the totality of the season. But uh, I think he has put in some work this offseason. I truly believe it. And uh, I, I think you know we're going to be talking a lot about Vladdy Jr. in, in a couple of a month's time is uh, the Blue Jays probably going to surprise some teams this year. Um, so I think we're all excited for that. And, you know, the fact that everybody seems to be falling apart right now in the uh, AL East can only uh, give them some more hope when it comes to the uh, division. But maybe a wild card run is in the future for this uh, Maple Leafs team. I uh, wanted to grab a couple more texts here. Uh, Anthony in Toronto says, Leafs are going to keep playing poorly, make the playoffs, and get swept in the first round. Sounds uh, familiar. Uh, <laughs> like a familiar story for this uh, Maple Leafs team for sure. Uh, Brandon from Calgary. What a joke Marner is. Not a $10 million man. What has he done to earn that contract? Overrated and overpaid. You are not the only person thinking that about Mitch Marner this morning. Tom and Barry has responded, guys. Said, uh, Rob, Never called you stupid. It was the uh, comments, so my comments are dumb. Uh, I'm watching the Jeep listening. So uh, because you have a Jeep, Tom, like, <laughs> I'm holding that against you, man. No, I'm just joking. We uh, really appreciate you listening. says, uh, Rob, if you were GM, what would you do if you were uh, GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs? I'd let it ride, to be honest with you. Like, let's, you know, the Chinese, Chinese farmer, right? Like, maybe. Maybe this team's bad. Are, we good? are they good? Maybe. Like, we don't know. Let's let it run. Jake Muzzin, Morgan Riley, when they come back, like let's see how that works out. Let's let's make sure this team gets healthy first um, before we can really start making some you know declarations about um, what they are. You run it back next year. Maybe you make some tweaks, make some changes here. If the cap goes up, you can add some guys potentially. You know, but I don't think we're going to see any drastic changes. I know some people have called for that. That you know, if the Maple Leafs miss out on the playoffs or get swept in the first round, Marner's gone, Nylander's gone. Like I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Kyle Dubas is a very patient man. He tries to be anyways, and I think he has a vision of how he wants this to work out, and he's going to let it play out. And if, you know, two, three years from now, they still haven't made any progress, then he knows he's gone. Like, he's not going to be here forever, but he's going to do what he wants to do, and, and I think that's probably the best course of action. You don't want to make any crazy moves with some of these guys and then end up regretting it. So uh, that's what I would do, Tom, if I were GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We appreciate you listening this morning. Keep sending us those texts, 590-590. Give us your name and your location. When we continue on the Sportsnet Hot Stove, the Toronto Raptors have clinched a playoff spot as they took down Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. We'll chat about Norman Powell and his future on this team. What is his ceiling that and more still to come it is the sportsnet hot stove rob wong dan marino mark boffo it's the sportsnet radio network missed an episode of leafs hour listen to every episode and subscribe with your favorite podcatcher sportsnet 590 the fan on demand
Portside Hot Stove, Rob Wong, Dan Marino, Mark Boffo with you. Text us, 59590. Give us your name and your location. Text line blowing up this morning. We uh, just chatted about the Toronto athlete we think we'll be talking about the most in a couple months' time when the Blue Jays will be going, Raptors in the playoffs, Maple Leafs most likely in the playoffs. Uh, Kevin and Markham says he thinks the person who will be getting the most chatter come May will be Nate Pearson. There's going to be an obsession with calling him up, especially if he has a good start down in AAA. What a segue that is because uh, Nate Pearson will be appearing in uh, today's ball game as the Blue Jays continue spring training action here on the uh, Sportsnet radio network as uh, the Blue Jays got roughed up yesterday in that game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Was it 1915? I think the final in spring training was something uh, 13, I think. absolutely outrageous. Uh, there were a lot of runs scored. So uh, if you're a D-Gen and you bet spring training, hopefully you took the over in that game yesterday. But the Blue Jays in Fort Myers this afternoon to take on the Boston Red Sox. We'll have it at 1 o'clock. Pre-game show gets going at 12.30. Mark in Burlington texting in says, uh, so many overreactions when it comes to the Maple Leafs. Yes, California trip was a disaster, but there were some good things done. Impossible to grade this team without their top two defensemen, but a greater emphasis on the forecheck and better goaltending of late will help the Leafs down the stretch. Have faith, Leafs Nation. Uh, getting another text from Norm in St. Catharines. The Leafs should be ready for an early golf season with the interest they're showing for hockey. Maybe Kyle's vision is blurred. He does wear glasses, rose-tinted as they are. And our boy, Tom and Barry, texting in again, says, uh, guys, keep up the humor. He loves it. I think uh, Dubas's idea about talent is not working. Either he has to change or he's got to go. Dubas has been here five years. Also, maybe it's team chemistry. He loves his players and coach. Uh, that's not good. Well, technically, he's been on the job for a year and a bit. He's been in the organization for um, quite a long time, but uh, it was previously Lou Lamarillo was running the show there and Kyle was running the uh, Toronto Marlies. So as far as the GM role, it's only been a year and a bit for him and uh, we'll see what happens. Like I said, maybe his vision doesn't work out. He's admitted as much like this is how we want to do it. And if it doesn't work out, that's on me. And he realizes that his job's going to be um, on the line, but he thinks this can work and uh, we shall see whether it does or not with this uh, Toronto Maple Leafs team. The uh, Toronto Raptors, definitely a team everyone feeling a lot better about right now because uh, they have been uh, playing pretty good. And uh, last night they clinched, or the other night I should say, they clinched a playoff spot with that win over the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry's return, and the Raptors were able to get the job done in a rematch of the NBA Finals. And not going to lie, guys, leading up to that game, I may have been watching some NBA Finals highlights from uh, last year and reminiscing about some of those games, including uh, game number six. Still remember where I was and, and what happened that night with all the uh, celebrations. Do you, did you guys do anything similar? Were you going back in the uh, the hot tub time machine, Dan, and, and watching some Raptors uh, Warriors highlights? Oh, yeah, I, I did it. Actually, I right before they played the Bucks, I did it as well. I watched highlights from that series and from the finals. And then, of course, the, the night of the Warriors game, especially because it was such a late game it's on the West Coast, uh, watching highlights from game six and uh, still getting chills. I could watch that every day and still get chills from watching those highlights. I still can't believe a Toronto sports team won a championship in my lifetime. Like, it's, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Mark, what about you? Yeah, it was easy to look back. I, I was here at the station the night of the game, so... Naturally, we were all surrounded by, you know, the, the pregame hoopla of them returning to the Bay Area, excuse me. And, yeah, it's just, I'm kind of right with you there, Dan. You just, it's surreal that it happened and you still can't believe it. Um, and you know what? It was awesome to see them. It was like poetic justice to me, seeing them clinch a playoff spot back in, uh, back in San Francisco, Oakland, the Bay Area. Uh, just seemed fitting for this team. 
Yeah, definitely did. It was uh, cool to see them get a win in the new building. So the Raptors, the last two times they've been to that area, they've picked up a victory. And what a night it was for Norm Powell the other evening, a career-high 37 points. The Raptors do not win that game without uh, the production out of uh, Norm, who, you know, this year has dealt with a lot of injuries, and, and that's been unfortunate. But every time, you know, he's come back from the injuries, he's been able to, you know, just jump right in and, and be that uh, great scorer that they've needed at uh, different times of the year, whether it's been coming off the bench, he's been starting of late. And, and you look at these numbers now on the year, 16 points, game on 50% shooting from the field, 39% three from three on uh, just over five attempts per game. He's grabbing three rebounds. He's grabbing an assist, a steal per game. This is, you know, what the Raptors thought they were getting when they signed Norm Powell to that contract extension a couple of years ago, which, you know, made sense at the time. It definitely did. And, you know, Norm kind of fell on his face that, that first year after he got the deal and it's taken him a bit here to, to get to this point, but he has, you know, really put himself in a conversation, I think, to be um, a core piece moving forward. We talk about Pascal, we talk about OG, you know, Fred's going to be a free agent this off season, Fred Van Vliet and the Raptors are going to need to give him a contract, but um, you hope that they can keep him because there's going to be some other suitors out there, of course, but you know, Norm Powell, I think he has sneakily, kind of put himself in that conversation. Whereas, you know, earlier this year, there was chatter about, you know, maybe Norm Powell, if you want to make a splash, he could be a piece that you could move to bring in someone that's more talented. But um, right now he's playing like a guy that you could have traded for. Like he's playing at that type of level that you can see him, you know, moving forward. Can he be the starting shooting guard on this team with, you know, Fred Van Vliet running point and OG at the three and Pascal at the four. Like that could be your core four uh, moving forward now. And, and, you know, with the way he's playing, it's, it's just, you know, great to see that the Raptors have another guy here that, you know, they can rely on a night in night out basis. Definitely, and he's going to be somebody that's going to be tough to leave off the court in crucial stretches, whether it's late in the regular season here or in playoff series. I mean, he was banged up, and he hasn't missed a beat here. A huge game against the Warriors, and I just feel like, you know, we talk about just guys needing time. We spoke about it uh, last hour on the Leafs, and here's a guy that couldn't you couldn't drive him out of town faster. It was just like... Norm's been fine, but he's not a $10, $11 million a year player. Maybe it was a little early to sign him to that deal. And you just see with a little bit more run and, you know, just a little bit more familiarity within the organization, uh, he seems to be, he seems to have taken another level this year. And I, I, I wasn't expecting it personally, but I think if you're a Raptors fan, you'll absolutely take it. Yeah, I don't think anyone was really expecting him to take this step. But the one thing that makes it less surprising is that I, I swear when you watch Norm Powell play, whether he's playing good or bad, he's the most confident person on the planet. This guy is, like, willing to get in Giannis's grill and try to dunk on him. You know what I mean? Like, he is super confident when he plays. So it doesn't shock me that he was able to put aside a bad season and then grow a bit last year and then take a big step this year to the point where he's a major contributing player on a team that is second seed in the Eastern Conference and defending an NBA championship. I'm going to keep saying defending NBA championship as much as possible. <laughs> um, but, like, and, and in, when you look at a team that, again, is coming off what happened last year and loses Kawhi, you need, like, the obvious thing to say is that they need Siakam to step up and be a star, and they need Lowry to be the guy that he's always been. But the things that are really going to make up the gap between losing Kawhi and having him are guys like Norm Powell and OG stepping up and being guys that you can rely on night in and night out. Not just guys who will give you a boost off the bench, but guys that will actually make a significant difference. And even Serge Ibaka is having an amazing season. So 
Norm is a major part of why, despite the injuries, despite losing Kawhi, this team is continuing to succeed and looks like a team that could go on a run in the playoffs. For sure. And, you know, that's what's going to be interesting come playoff time. You know, we, we talked before about Pascal Siakam. He's clearly the, the number one option on this team, and, and they're going to need him as much as possible um, to, to win some of these series. And, you know, Fred Van Vliet is someone this team can rely on. Kyle Lowry, of course. You know, you mentioned Serge Ibaka, Norm Powell, and, you know, even flashes of late. OG Ananobi is a guy that, you know, you feel cr- pretty confident about now if he's going to take a three from the corner or the wing or, you know, drive to the bucket. So, um, you know, in the absence of Kawhi Leonard last year, who, um, um, you know, it was uh, not a black hole, of course, because, you know, he did make some plays and, you know, set up his teammates a lot of the times. He was the focal point of that offense. And, you know, he was the guy that uh, needed to have the ball in their hands and they won a championship out of it. So it's not like you can, you know, argue about uh, whether Kawhi Leonard had the ball in his hands too much or not. But that's what's exciting about this team, I think, moving forward here, that because they have so many threats now with Norm and when Fred comes back and, you know, Marcus Saul was shooting the lights out when he made his return from that first hamstring strain that, you know, this isn't a case where when, you know, those five starters step on the floor or some of the guys come off the bench, you're like, yeah, I don't want the ball in that guy's hands or like, I don't want that guy taking the shot. Like any given possession, any of those guys can, you know, take a shot or, or try to make a play. And you're like, yeah, like I get it. Like that totally makes sense. And I'm not sure how many times we've been able to say that about, you know, r- previous Raptors teams, like outside of last year um, before it used to be like, uh, yeah, probably Kyle or DeMar should be taking the shot. Nobody else should be handling this. Like even Serge Ibaka a couple of years ago when he's hoisting up shots, you're like, why is Serge shooting? Like now, it's you know you're able to trust seven eight guys like that's got to be comforting for Nick Nurse Mark that he can throw his you know playoff rotation out on the floor and be pretty comfortable that you know a lot of these players are going to make the right decision for the most part definitely and like for me I just don't understand why like I don't know why it took so long for Norm Powell to why there was that little bit of regression with him because it just seemed like he was deserving of that deal when he signed it and then was kind of scuffling a bit and now he's back up here and for all the people at the trade deadline that wanted to see the Raptors you know make an addition you have to move salary out so like Norman Powell was going to be one of the guys that had to be moved out or was would be a candidate to and like wouldn't you much rather have him stick around now because you just I mean it's easy to say with him improving and seeing where he's at now but I feel like if you're Nick Nurse, like you have a rotational piece who knows who knows the organization, is familiar with these teammates, uh, got some run when in key situations when a guy like Kawhi was being load managed last year. Like I feel like you shouldn't mess with the chemistry of the team, especially one that went on a on a deep run. And now you're kind of seeing everybody. You're seeing the benefits of that of the team growing together. And it is still a bit of an incomplete for me too because. Without Marcus Gasol, like I think people are forgetting just how dominant this guy was defending in the playoffs last year. I mean, Joel Embiid was like a shadow of himself in that Sixer series when Gasol was paired up against him. So I think you're just seeing that the Raptors are continuing what they're doing, and I still think that they can get another level because I feel like they just have some gamers that are playoff tested and bring it when the, when the chips are on the table. Absolutely. Like, they've, they've dealt with so many injuries this season that it's, it's hard to imagine that we've seen the best of this team, right? And, and it's been a good season. That three-game losing streak that they just had recently, they were missing Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol. It's, it's extremely hard to win games in the NBA, regardless of who you're playing, when you're missing your two bigs. Like, it's, it's hard to dominate that part of the game. So, 
I also think that there is something to be said about a team that is coming off a championship win. We used to know Kyle Lowry, who we all loved. Now there's championship Lowry. You know what I mean? There's championship Siakam, championship Powell. They have that confidence now because they know that they can do it because they have done it. And I don't think any of them are thinking, oh, we couldn't have done it without Kawhi. All they're thinking is, we have been there. We've done it. We know what it takes. And I think there's a lot of pressure taken off guys like like Serge Ibaka, for example. I think he's just playing so loose because he doesn't have that pressure of, is this going to be the year where I finally win? Am I running out of time? Am I regressing? Whatever. Like, these guys, winning a championship gives you all the confidence in the world. So I don't think we've seen the best of them because they haven't been healthy and it's still been a great season. Yeah, and, and you know, what did we talk about last time with the, the Maple Leafs that, like, we, we see flashes of it and it's there and just not cons- uh, consistent enough. And, and that's what I think of when I'm, you know, seeing a guy like Pascal Siakam right now. We, we touched on it that sometimes these elite teams that he's squaring off against right now hasn't been working out but you're just hoping that because of the experience that he's getting, being the number one option and having those struggles, that he can learn from that and come playoff time when he's going to be the number one option and he's like, okay, we've been here before. Now I know what I can do. Then maybe he can take it to uh, another level. And he's a guy that, you know, his career has just been a meteoric rise over the last couple of years. And he's a little bit older, of course, but not sure that's the guy I want to bet against right now because every time it feels like we want to count him out and say like, oh, okay, like Pascal Siakam, this guy's a late first-round pick, probably going to be nothing more than just some energy big. Well, okay, maybe he's a little bit more than that. He's adding threes to his game, and then he takes the step uh, in the bench mob year. And then last year, of course, what he was able to do as essentially the number two option behind Pascal Siakam, or uh, Kawhi Leonard, I should say, had that uh, incredible playoff run. And then this year he's become an all-star player. Um, for the most part, has been you know the best player on this team, and there have been moments he struggled. But who's to say that, you know, when he gets back into a series against the Sixers or the Heat or, you know, Milwaukee at some point, like who's to say that he won't figure it out by then and be able to thrive? Like that's that's what's super exciting about a guy like Pascal Siakam, that he just continues to, you know, jump over these hurdles. And it's just just another sort of setback at this point in his career. And uh, we'll see if he can uh, overcome it. Um, but uh, he's been a, a lot of fun to watch. And, and, you know, the point that you make about Marcus Gasol, uh, Mark, is that, you know, he's a guy that's not the forgotten man necessarily like. Uh, the, the Raptors have been playing really well in the absence of him, but he is the linchpin defensively. He's the guy that, you know, is calling out the coverages. He's the one is sort of the, 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 the quarterback, right? Like he's seeing everything develop in front of his eyes. Cause he's, you know, down on the low block. He's such a great screener too. Like he adds that aspect. Like, he just does so many little things that I don't think people really like don't appreciate it. Um, but like Marcus all, uh, when that guy's on the floor, it just makes such a big difference for the Raptors defensively and, and at times offensively as well. So, you know, when he comes back and, you know, Fred Van Vliet comes back and this team is, you know, fully healthy for one of the first times in this season, like that that's when we're really going to get a sense, I think, of, of what this team's ceiling ultimately can be. Like the game that sticks out for me about Gasol was, uh, is, was that Hornets game where Hollis Jefferson picked up that foul late and, and sent, uh, sent Charlotte to the line. And it's just kind of like... Yeah, that was a bad play. But does that play happen if Rondé Hollis Jefferson isn't trying to spell like Serge Ibaka and Marcus Like he wouldn't even be on the on the floor at that point. So it is kind of it. Uh, it's nice to see that they're trucking along here, and there hasn't been much of a drop off with these injuries. But I, that's why I still think they have another gear because we're talking about the Leafs kind of scuffling and treading water here. Whereas I think the Raptors have still played beyond expectations and they're missing their guys. So I'm, I'm all for, I feel like there's still going to be a, a factor in the East this year. Yeah. It, it, sorry. Yeah. It, it just goes back to what we were saying about the Leafs. Like you said, I don't want to bring this back to the Leafs, but like all the excuses that people make for them, that they're not experienced and stuff like that. Like Siakam's been playing basketball for how long? Like he didn't 
this guy's super inexperienced, and he's taking over a team that just won a championship. These you want to talk about injuries? The Raptors are maybe the most banged up team in the NBA. Like like I said, they just had to play a week straight where they were missing their shooting guard and their two centers. Like it's tough to win games like that, and yet when they lose three games in a row, no one panics because we know that is the uh, what's the word I'm looking for. The level of play that they have? Like well, the, like, it's like, that's the rarity, sorry. Oh, okay. It's the rare outlier, for them to, yeah. to stumble. Like, it, it happens every now and then, but more often than not, they're playing consistently. They're, they're, they're going on winning streaks and stuff like that. So it's just a huge contrast between the two major teams that are playing right now in Toronto, where one is just the most inconsistent team you can imagine. The other one is winning consistently despite things going against them. You know what, though? Like, again, starting to jump in here, but, like, I feel like, a guy like Kyle Lowry is absolutely a tone setter for the Raptors, and the Leafs just don't have that. Like, Rob, I'm this is top of mind because you retweeted that video the other day of him just shooting daggers in game six against the Warriors in, in the clinching game of the finals last year. And it's like, think of the circumstances there. You almost won the championship at home in game five, squandered it away. The seed of doubt's been planted because you're, flying cross-country or cross-continent again against the NBA champions, going to that beast of a building that's Oracle. And the game starts off that it's like Kyle Lowry is just hitting these threes and he's saying, we're not going to be an easy out tonight. Like, you, if you want to take this to a game seven, you're going to have to come through us and I'm shooting these daggers and draining them, laying, you know. Now... How many times has Kyle Lowry missed those shots? It, it happens. We've seen it over the course of his Raptors career where you're like, Kyle, you don't have it tonight. Like, put it away. But, like, he is unafraid. And to me, just seeing, like, the Leafs game yesterday where they just allow the first goal again after two bad losses, it's like, I feel like you just need a catalyst like that to kind of bring the best out of everybody. Yeah, well, and he definitely has been that guy, Kyle Lowry, for sure. Like, uh, you know, last year, especially in certain moments, he stepped up huge. Game six against the Warriors uh, in that specific instance. You know, Fred Van Fleet, of course, we know how uh, crucial he was in the final two series of last year's playoffs and then hitting some big shots in that second half against the uh, Golden State Warriors to help clinch that title. So the Raptors, as we touched on, they just have so many guys you can trust with the ball in their hands and, and you know, can come up big in different moments if other guys don't have it that night. So that's what makes them uh, pretty dangerous right now on the offensive end. And then defensively, we know that is their uh, calling card. Last night, uh, we saw a matchup of arguably two of uh, the two best teams in the NBA as uh, LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo squared off the LA Lakers coming away with the win over the Milwaukee Bucks, both Giannis and LeBron going for 30 plus points. And Somehow that was only the uh, Bucks' 10th loss of the entire season. That just shows you how dominant they've been. I mean, the Lakers have only lost 13. Uh, they've been an absolute juggernaut. They've won three in a row, nine and one in their last 10. And, you know, you don't ever want to take a one-game sample size and make a declaration and be like, okay, this is what this means. But it's hard not to watch that game last night and think, okay, maybe the Lakers are the best team in the NBA. Like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, that crew that they have there, uh, maybe they are the, the real deal. And if we're talking about, you know, how do we rank the teams right now in the NBA, maybe it's my uh, LA1, sorry, I should say, Milwaukee 1A, and then you've got the Clippers as maybe one B potentially like all those teams are so very very close and not to say that the Bucks couldn't beat the Lakers in a seven game series like I said it's just it's just one game but it's pretty evident that you know those two teams are head and shoulders above the rest along with uh, the Clippers right now in the NBA 
Yeah, I, I do think it's fair to take a lot from that game because they you could feel from the beginning they were treating it like a playoff game. They knew how important this game was, and the Lakers won it, right? Like, I, I don't think that it tells us who would win a seven-game series, but I think it shows that, the, like, these are, like you said, the two best teams in the NBA. And, I I mean, we have the 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 highlights on right, right now on Sportsnet. It, it would just be awesome to see those two teams go out. I'd rather the Raptors be there, right. but, of course, but I think it would be an interesting series. And I think that... I think it's fair to say, Buffalo, I know you put like a, a note here, like does this kind of close the gap on the MVP race? I think it does. Like I think people are being a little too quick to just hand it to Giannis. I think he's probably, like he's the front runner for MVP right now. If I had to, if I had to name an MVP right now, I'd say Giannis. But LeBron's like right there. You know what I mean? Like he's really elevated his game. He's 35 years old. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys count that in your, like when you're trying to figure out who the MVP is? Like these guys are neck and neck, but LeBron's 35. This is year 17. Does that factor into your MVP consideration? Uh, I think uh, like LeBron every year, you can make the case that he's the MVP of the league, right? He just makes all his teams better. Uh, if the Lakers didn't have LeBron, they'd be stinky. And if <laughs> the Bucks didn't have Giannis, they'd be stinky. Like I think that's evident with um, both teams. I think just what, what Giannis is doing statistically from that standpoint, and the record is better too. Like you want to count that in, uh, even though he's in the, the Eastern Conference, but the Eastern Conference does have some good teams. Like I think Giannis is just put himself like in the MVP category. He's the front runner. LeBron's making a case and, and maybe he does, you know, get to a point if the Lakers end up having a better record by the end of the season, then maybe he does get more votes and he ekes out Giannis. But it, it's definitely close. Like it's one, two. I'm still, I'm still thinking Giannis is the guy. I think, you know, what jumps off the page more for me with LeBron James, and you mentioned it, the fact that he's 35. Uh, this is year number 17 for uh, LBJ. There's still nothing like it to me in sports. Uh, and it doesn't happen all the time because LeBron James has lost games that he's played in. But there's nothing like it when LeBron has those games where he's like, oh, yeah. this ain't happening. Like, not tonight. Like, last night, Giannis scored 30-plus. But there were some stretches in that game where he was guarding Giannis. He's like, nope, like, this ain't going down. Like, you're not going to score on us. You're not going to score on me. And then on the other end, it's like LeBron dominating. Like, we saw that the other night against the uh, New Orleans Pelicans where uh, Zion Williamson had that crazy dunk. And then, look, LeBron casually walked up and, you know, shot a three-pointer from, like, three feet from the half-court line. It was like, yeah, like, Bring it. Like, you're Zion Williamson, but I'm LeBron freaking James. Like, so what are you going to do about it? I still can't bet against LeBron in the playoffs. I mean, the Lakers missed altogether last year, but what was it? Eight straight finals this guy went to. Like, you want to talk about elevating your game. I mean, he's the... You want to talk about staying off social media. This guy goes zero dark 30 uh, when the playoffs start, and then he's locked in and, and just making... And just walking into the finals, it seems like. So uh, as far as the MVP goes... I'm I'm kind of right there with you guys in lockstep. I think Giannis will eventually win it, and he will be the crown the MVP. But LeBron's kind of like the Mike Trout of the NBA, where like he could easily be the MVP every year. But because he's that good, I feel like the voters usually are just kind of like, yeah, you know, like he'll be in the mix next year again. We'll just give it to somebody else this year. But Giannis is completely deserving. Yeah, I just love this MVP race because Giannis won MVP last year, deservedly so, and he's having a better season this year. But I think it's the actual race is tighter just because of what LeBron's doing. I think it's awesome to watch. Yeah, it's uh, why the NBA is one of the best leagues, if not the best league in the world. Just so much drama. Amazing things happen uh, every single night, as uh, Brian Windhorst likes to point out uh, on Twitter. And I uh, haven't seen his tweet yet this morning. I don't know, maybe he sent it out to tell us uh, all the highlights in the uh, league in the association last night. But that was one of the best games of the year for sure. LeBron taking down uh, Giannis and his Milwaukee Bucks 113 to 
103. Uh, when we continue here on the Sportsnet Hot Stove, we'll uh, head back to the NHL, take a look around at some of the playoff races that are heating up on the ice. We'll uh, chat about it next here on the Sportsnet Hot Stove. Rob Wong, Dan Marino, Mark Boffo here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. No medical exam or health questions will be asked. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Sportsnet I hope she's talking about the Toronto Rock, uh, because if she's not, I am not uh, sure we can play this song at 11.30 in the morning. It is a banger, though. Alicia Keys and Eve. It's also the Sportsnet Hot Stove here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Rob Wong, Dan Marino, and Mark Boffo with you. Uh, To stick with the NBA for a second before we get back into some hockey talk, there uh, was a tweet out yesterday from Shams Trani of The Athletics' sources. The NBA has sent a memo to its franchises explaining that Due to coronavirus outbreak, teams should be preparing to play games without fans in attendance and identifying uh, essential staff present for these games should it be necessary. And guys, uh, we're starting to see this around the world, of course, with uh, everything that's going on with COVID-19. We know in Italy, they've been playing soccer matches without fans. The Olympics uh, is up in the air, of course, this uh, summer in Tokyo. And, you know, it's starting to become potentially a reality here in uh, North America with... uh, whether it's the NBA, the NHL, I think uh, out in San Jose, that area, they recommended to the Sharks, don't play. And the Sharks were like, no, we're going to play. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, okay, sure. Fair I guess enough. we're going to go with these games. And look, if that ever gets to that point, you know, there's going to be some panic and things have obviously have gotten worse. But you like the fact that, you know, teams, uh, franchises, leagues around North America, at least taking this seriously. Like the last thing you want are for teams to be like the San Jose Sharks, nothing against the Sharks, but to be like, no, we're good. We're, we're just going to play like and see what happens. Like, I, I don't think that's the way to go about it either. But this is a reality that could ultimately set in that in a few months time, maybe later this year, we could be watching the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Toronto Raptors or the Blue Jays playing inside Scotiabank Arena or Rogers Centre completely empty without any fans. And, and the only example that I can remember in recent history um, was in Baltimore uh, a few years ago um, when there was uh, some, some you know issues going on there in that city. And the Orioles, I think, played the White Sox in an empty Camden Yards. And they broadcast the game on television, too. So you're able to watch it. There were fans outside of the stadium, like watching through the gates and watching through the fences. But they played a Major League Baseball game in an empty stadium. And it's just so eerie. The sounds of the game are weird. And it would be so bizarre, you know, having to watch, you know, some of our favorite sports teams play in empty arenas. Like, I just can't even really fathom it. But it is for, you know, the the betterment of society. If, if you know, it does ultimately get to that pace, place, it's, it's not good, of course. But the preventative measures, I think, make sense. Well, it's, it's always better to be cautious when you're talking about something like this, right? I, I think... If the timeline works out where they have to play games without fans in the crowd like late April and May, like that's that's playoffs. That would be super weird to watch yeah. a playoff game because it wouldn't feel like – I wonder how much that would affect the way you watch it, how much the environment would affect how it feels to watch a playoff game because 
usually playoff games are louder than regular season games. I'm, like, I can't imagine a dead silent playoff game being played. Well, some people joked on Twitter, I know, and, and maybe it's you know not, not a great joke to make because of the uh, state of the, the world right now, but you know, wouldn't it be like perfect for the Maple Leafs if they ever won a Stanley Cup and it's this and no year one's there. and no one's there to watch it, right, in the arena to be a part of it. And then, you know, afterwards, maybe we can't even go outside and celebrate it, right, because yeah. of, of everything that's going on. So uh, it, it's really, uh, you know, a, a situation that, you know, we've never seen uh, in you know recent times, of course, and it's something that uh, is getting pretty serious. But it, it's nice to know that the leagues are, are taking uh, precautions right now to, to make sure that, you know, the, this doesn't continue to be an issue with uh, the health of their fans and, and you know, things going on at the arenas well like it's just not sports man like you know when we're talking about all these crazy plays that lebron's making shooting from the logo and and all that and you know like what what moment is that even a moment if there's not you know twenty thousand fans just cheering like crazy and just in awe of what they're seeing and you know reacting and playing up to the crowd like it's just it's kind of like a it's just a shame i i i'm with you like you definitely want to see people be proactive about stuff like this, especially when it's when it comes to your health and whatnot. But it, it like to me, it's just it's just not what you signed up for. When like I would much rather them, I would much rather them like postpone the season or like just cancel a couple of games than than do something you know where the arenas are totally empty. But that, that that's just me. I just don't think it's I just don't think it's you know, part of the sports experience, the live experience. Yeah. Well, we still get an opportunity to watch it, right? Like that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's not as if they, they can't play and we can't view it um, on TV, but uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Did you hear what LeBron had to say, that's what I was gonna say yesterday yeah. after the game? Cause they, cause like, I guess when it, I guess he hadn't heard the report, but uh, they asked him about after the game and he was like shocked. He was like, well, here, I think we have the clip here. LeBron, apparently the possibility has arisen of playing game, playing NBA games without fans in the arena just to be safe because of coronavirus. Have you thought about what that might be like? Who? Or, hmm? Who? Who what? Who what? We play games without the fans? Yeah. Like no, you. it's impossible. I ain't playing. Okay. <laughs> I ain't got the fans in the crowd. That's who I play for. I play for my teammates. Play for, I play for the fans. That's what it's all about. So if I show up to an arena and ain't no fans in there, <laughs> I ain't playing, so they can do what they want to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it seems like a bit of a throwaway, throwaway line. He's kind of joking around about it. I'm sure if, like, the NBA said, hey, uh, we're going to have no fans, and LeBron's going to be like, no, they're going to be like, yes, you're playing. Like, you <laughs> cannot not play. Like, that's not how this works. Um, so I, I can understand where LeBron's coming from, um, that it's, you know, not the same. Just like you said, Mark, going to a sporting event, not having any fans there. But, like, this is the reality, right? Like, this is the, the possibility that this could happen, that, hey, we can still enjoy sports. We just can't do it sitting next to each other at a stadium or at an arena. But I feel like LeBron does this all the time where he's just kind of, like, representing, you know, the greater good in in some of these scrums. Like, whether it's whether it was, like, the Do Donald Sterling stuff with the Clippers or, or something like that, like, I feel like he's the voice of the players in a lot of these situations and, and stuff that affects the the league like the teams league wide and you know i think i think you're right like obviously the nba is the nba and they are going to decide what they decide but i think that's not in insignificant when you have like the absolute most popular player in your sport that you know transcends everything like even beyond sport with him coming out saying something like that i think he's speaking for the most of the players saying like listen this is i see what you're trying to do here but it's ridiculous yeah like, 
Well, look, I think, yeah, for the player's standpoint, it would be ridiculous to, to play in the arenas. And then the non-NBA player in me, Dan, looks at it and goes, like, there's probably people that heard that last night. LeBron James fans or Lakers fans like, yeah, LeBron's right. Like, yeah. <laughs> we should be able to go to the arena. I don't care about the virus outbreak. Like, I'm going anyways. And it's like, no, don't do that. Like, yeah. that's a public safety issue. Like, who not worth it. LeBron <laughs> is not a health professional. He's a basketball player. Yeah. Like, you can't trust LeBron because he wants to play in front of you that you should go and, you know, go to arena and do things and, and blah, 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 blah. But it is, like we talked about, it's a... A tough situation, like we've never encountered it. The leagues haven't encountered it before, so it's difficult to really plan and, and try to figure out what's the best course um, for these teams. But it's pretty evident that, you know, the teams um, have been notified in, you know, different leagues that this is a possibility. So, like, we're not saying it's going to happen, but if it does get to that point, you better be prepared that uh, we may force you to play without any fans uh, in the stadium. So it's something to keep an eye on for uh, sure. But tonight, we will have fans in the arenas in the National Hockey League as uh, the playoff races continue to heat up around the NHL. And uh, at this point, guys, you know, we talk about the most uh, must-see teams in the National Hockey League. Uh, they might have been even before when uh, they weren't playing so well, but the Edmonton Oilers um, have just been an absolute delight of late since Connor McDavid came back. And the season that Leon Draisaitl is uh, having Right now, the Oilers did lose their last time out, but they are still sitting in second place in the uh, Pacific Division. You've got, of course, the uh, battle in the wild card race in the Eastern Conference with the uh, Islanders. Two points up on the Rangers, who have started to heat up. Mika Zibanejad scoring five goals the other night. Carolina still um, just three points back, even though they've lost four in a row. So uh, plenty of, you know, hot race is going on right now uh, in the uh, NHL uh, as far as the wild card and uh, you know divisions go and in the Pacific I should also mention you know the Canucks are in the mix Vancouver's in the mix so this is what the NHL has always wanted they wanted that parity they wanted a lot of teams to be involved and you know they're getting that especially this year in you know places like the Pacific and uh, the wild card in the uh, Eastern Conference well like talk about things that the NHL has always wanted Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers being good in, in the playoffs is something they definitely need to happen right that's the thing that makes me most happy is seeing the best player in the world not on a team that is just struggling and letting him down night in and night out and not bringing him to the stage that he deserves to be on and do you remember when Dreisaitl like people were like maybe they overpaid him maybe that's the reason that the Oilers won't be able to take the next step is because they're locked into paying McDavid obviously McDavid money and then now Dreisaitl's making 10 mil a year. This guy is taking taking a massive step forward. And when he, the way he played when McDavid was hurt kind of solidified for me that he's going to win the Hart Trophy this year. And I think it's an awesome thing to see that McDavid isn't on his own on an island. He's got another superstar on his team that's going to win the Hart Trophy. Um, and it's exciting to see a team like the Oilers making the playoffs and uh, putting McDavid on a big stage again. He's been unreal all year long. I remember doing in one of these shows, uh, you know, before the calendar flipped to 2020. And he was, he was, a, he had the triple crown. Like he had goals, assists and total points back then too. And so you can't just say, you can't just say like, it's been a recent thing and he only stepped up his game when McDavid uh, was on the shelf. But then you're right, Dan, like he, then he did take his, his game to the next level when McDavid was, was out. So like you're seeing it, you're seeing a consistency and then you're also seeing an elevation in his game. So for me, he's the clear cut MVP. There are guys that deserve other, there's others that deserve consideration for sure. Uh, just ask the Vancouver Canucks who are missing uh, Markstrom right now. He's looking like he's uh, MVP for just not playing any games, but like uh, I'm obviously he shouldn't be in the heart consideration, but you know, there's a lot of valuable players out there, but 
for me, Leon Dreisaitl from October till now has continued to produce, and I don't see him slowing down. No, I definitely do not uh, either, and he's definitely going to be up there for hard trophy consideration. Uh, I think even if the Oilers don't make the playoffs, he's just had such an incredible season with the amount of points that he's putting up. But beyond that, uh, I think you, you're going to be looking at guys like Artemi Panarin that are going to get some potential votes even more if he can get the Rangers into the playoffs and your usual guys, whether it's uh, Connor McDavid and uh, Nathan McKinnon, guys like that are always going to be um, in the conversation. And uh, even maybe an Austin Matthews could be in that conversation as well if he gets over the 50 goal mark and the Maple Leafs get into the playoffs. So the uh, award season will be right around the corner, of course, but uh, lots of hockey left to play before we get there. It is uh, yet another busy night in the National Hockey League, as it always is on these Saturdays. One more segment left to come next. It is the Sportsnet Hot Stove. Rob Wong, Mark Boffo, Dan Marino here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Do not settle. Demand. Demand. Sportsnet 590 The Fan on Demand. Sportsnet 590, Dan Marino, Mark Boffa with you on this March 7th, 2020. Final segment of the program before we switch over to Sportsnet today at the top of the hour with myself. Blue Jays baseball coming up with pregame show at 1230. First pitch just after one o'clock. Blue Jays and Red Sox squaring off in Fort Myers today. It is a Nate Pearson day. He won't start, but he will appear at some point in this ball game. Probably strike out everybody he faces and throw over 100 miles an hour. I think that's uh, pretty much everything that we've seen so far from Nate Pearson so far in uh, Grapefruit League season. But the NFL, of course, it is the uh, offseason for the National Football League. We've got the NFL draft coming up before uh, the offseason, which is always fun, of course. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, is uh, set to appear on the show The Shop uh, coming up this weekend. Here's a quick snippet of uh, his appearance. I just really... You've only been playing quarterback six years? Well, I started playing my junior year of high school. I was playing safety. I was playing safety, a little bit of quarterback, yeah. So I literally... I understood coverages, but how to be able to pick up little tendencies defenses do, stuff that Brady and them have done, that they they know it it and they just do it. Second nature. I was just playing. So there's Patrick Mahomes on uh, the upcoming The Shop episode on uh, HBO, which will air uh, tonight. Did we just hear that? Did he just say, I just learned how to pick up defenses last year? Like, that is outrageous that this guy just came into the league, was a dominant player, and was just out there, like, throwing the ball. Like, okay, I know the play we're going to run. I'm going to go out there and see what happens and then throw the ball and pray for the best. Like, he wasn't out there Peyton Manning, Omaha, dissecting it all down and, like, figuring out, like, oh, if the guy's here or Tony Romo, like, if the guy's here, I'm going to do this. It was just like... We're going to snap the ball, and I know what we're going to do, and uh, I'm going to try to do it to the best of my abilities. So the fact that he figured it out last year, midway through last year, um, the season that he had this year, albeit with injuries, like what is the ceiling for this guy now? It makes me think like once he really 
gets the nuances and understands everything that he's seeing out there. Is this guy going to put up like the greatest quarterback season we'll ever see in our lifetimes? Like that feels like it's potentially on the table, Mark. I, it totally is. I mean, I, even before hearing that, you still thought the sky was the limit just because, you know, he's still on his entry-level deal. The man's going to get paid. But, like, to not read opposing defenses until midway point last year, like, I don't think it's something that you should strive to try to test yourself. If you're an NFL quarterback, you might want to try to, you know, get all the bases covered first. But, yeah, it just goes to show you just how talented this guy is. I think... A huge part of it is that he sat a year with Alex Smith as a starter in KC that year and was really able to learn the playbook and really master those plays that you're talking about. So maybe he did know his own playbook and what he was going to do personally a little bit more than just your run-of-the-mill quarterback, somebody that you know doesn't have his talent and didn't have that year of learning under his belt. But, man, like after, after winning a Super Bowl and, you know, taking down a vaunted defense like the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't not think that the Chiefs aren't going to be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. For sure. And I, I think it just adds to the theory that it, this guy is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen play football. Like, he just straight up, like, arm talent, and his instincts are insane. Like, those no-look passes and stuff like that, where he's just dropping in a bucket, go, running one way, throwing the other, it's... It's, his arm is a big part of it, but the instincts to know exactly where to place that ball is on another level, and it's something that you can't teach people. So the fact that he's wasn't he didn't even have the skill set of some guys in terms of the stuff that you can teach people, which is knowing the, the playbook, and he was still performing at that level, this guy might go... He If everything goes right, if he stays healthy, he will end up being the greatest quarterback of all time when he retires. And I know it's like that's a big statement to make, this early in his career, but just with the insane talent that he has, that's what, that's what you talk about his potential. That's his potential. You know what? It is a big statement, Dan, but if I want to hear analysis on the quarterback position, I go to Dan Marino. (laughs) And if, if uh, hall of famer is, is saying stuff like that, then I have no choice, but to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with it too. Like I just, you just convinced me right away. As soon as I heard uh, that take on uh, Patrick Mahomes, but Look, after uh, hearing that clip, and I'll I'll be watching the full thing uh, later tonight when it comes out, Patrick Mahomes, number one quarterback off the board, fantasy football. You've you've sold me uh, after uh, (laughs) finding out that this guy just realized how to read defenses in the NFL uh, in uh, a few years ago. But uh, the sky's the limit. Feels like he's just going to have another monster season. Chiefs are going to be the Super Bowl favorite going in. Um, Once again, it's going to be a great NFL year, but uh, lots of things that need to still get done before we get there. Free agency, of course, and uh, the NFL draft. That should be a lot of fun this NFL offseason. That'll do it for us on this edition of the Sportsnet Hot Stove. Thanks to Dan Marino and Mark Bonfo. Coming up next, we'll switch over to Sportsnet today with myself. We'll do the 411 and get you caught up on all the top stories of the day. It is the Sportsnet Radio Network.